Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hi everyone, I'm Eric Garneau, and this is a super sweet episode of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast, recorded at the Nerdist Showroom at Meltdown Comics in Los Angeles, California. This was part of the Nerdalogs trip out west a few weeks ago, and damn, this was a good time. Uh, it's really special to be in such an iconic comedy theater and podcast venue, and I think we got a really wonderful show out of it. So this episode, you can enjoy stories from Charlie Madsen, Kristen Clifford, and Eric Roth, plus music from myself, Katie Johnston-Smith, and an original and very awesome song from Eric Schinzer. And come back next week for the second half of this show with even more meltdowny goodness. Our next live Your Story show is Sunday, February 19th at the Some Office Theater in Chicago, which of course is at 1917 North Elston at 7pm and is free. Um, it's February, which means it's time for our annual Fan Fiction February celebration. We've already got a lot of interest in this show, but there are a few story spots left, so if you have a piece you want to share along those lines, just email yourstoriesatnerdalogs.com with a brief pitch, and we'll get back to you ASAP. Uh, also worth noting, Katie, Dwight, and myself will be the house band at Mortified at the Promontory this Thursday. Uh, Mortified is a really cool podcast that fans of our show would probably like as well, if you haven't heard of it. And for this show only, you get our special brand of rock and roll with it. Uh, it's their Valentine's Day episode, so expect a few power ballads. Power ballads are, as we all know, Valentine's Day carols. <laughs> um, we hope to see you all soon at something that we have coming up. Uh, thanks, of course, as always, for listening to our show, and enjoy our trip out west. The theme tonight that we chose is Meltdown. Isn't that so clever? Eric, you're a genius. Oh. I do want to say this is very special for me, uh, performing in the back of a comic book store. Because I used to own a comic book store, and it had uh, a comedy club in the back of it. And it was in Lansing, Illinois, which I'm sure almost nobody here has ever been to. And except some of you did shows in back there. 
But we didn't have a Chris Hardwick to like make our club cool, so the store closed down. But it's really cool to see that like that model works when you're in Hollywood and have really talented, famous people uh, making it happen. And I mean that sincerely. I mean that sincerely. This is amazing, and thank you all for having us. So we're gonna do some songs to start the night off. Yeah, and these are by artists who have famously had meltdowns of their own. Yes, it's great. And you guys will definitely know these songs, at least the first and the third. So please help us sing along. <laughs> the second one is like one of those Eric picks where I really wanted. To do it <laughs> anyway uh this meltdown is maybe the most famous of all mm-hmm. one two three four baby i'm so into you you got that something what can i do baby you spin me around oh the earth is moving but i can't feel the ground every time you look at me my heart is jumping You are a very nice and warm crowd. Thank you so much. So we have eight fantastic storytellers here this evening to share uh, lots of different stuff with you. We're going to hear some songs, some stories. It's going to be a great night. And the first of those people is an old pro from Chicago. He did our show a bunch and always told wonderful pieces, and I'm so happy to have him here. Also worth noting, I played his wedding, so thank you for that. And uh, we're going to record three podcasts together in the next 24 hours. We've become more content than man at this point. Please welcome to the stage Mr. Charlie Madsen. Uh, I love being here. I'm so happy you guys are here. This is probably the most sincere, joy-filled group I've ever been in for the past, was it four years now that I've been doing this? Yeah. And, uh, God. And so I'm just happy that you guys are in Los Angeles, a place where occasionally you can't find sincerity. <laughs> occasionally. It's not that bad, guys. All right. So, uh, second time I was here, I shared something that I've never shared in public, so I'm just going to continue that trend here on probably my 12th time. Uh, I am not what people would call a hard-working kind of person. <laughs> However, regarding trivial, non-essential tasks, I am a master. I am obsessive, some would say, to a fault. 
I would agree. And uh, Eric, as and anyone else who's listened to this podcast can tell you that I spend uh, hours, if not days and years, on colorful spreadsheets dedicated to various sports statistics that I play out uh, in NBA 2K games. Um, <laughs> It's very complicated. Listen to the podcast if you want to hear all of it. I also um, have all of the WrestleMania main events memorized, and I've watched every single WWE, WCW, and ECW pay-per-view in order from 1982 to 2000, not including the ones I watched in real time. <laughs> I also have a, a spreadsheet for that where I track the good matches, look forward to the Tumblr when that comes out when I'm done. And so this puts me in that kind of, um, let's just say, nerd geek Venn diagram situation where it's the obsession versus the knowledge, that kind of a thing. And so uh, I'm sure plenty of you also are that way. I mean, of course you are. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be in the back of a comic book shop in Hollywood on a Friday night. (laughs) So you get it. And with these fruitless obsessions, uh, I have the insatiable urge to complete a task no matter what stands in the way. And uh, I am what I would call a completist. So help me God if I do not get the points per game differential of the Boston Celtics this year on the bar sheet right. You know, if I haven't updated it since December, I'm going to get a little pissy. So uh, anyways, all this prologue is out here just to paint uh, what goes on in my head when something needs to be completed. And this sets the stage for what happened on Thanksgiving weekend 1996. I grew up on the isolated island of Kodiak, Alaska, uh, and it's a rare occasion that I would ever be in a full-blown, actual, literal comic book shop. Uh, It took my brother and I eight months to collect every issue of Maximum Carnage in 1993, which, you know, was like only so many issues. It took us forever to get that. And so when we went to the metropolis that is Anchorage, Alaska... Uh, I found myself magnetically zipped right to Bosco's, which is every Alaskan's guide for Batman to broadswords. And Thanksgiving 1995 was my chance to complete a collection. And then I was 11 years old at the time, and my obsession that year was collecting every single issue of the Age of Apocalypse series. Now, this, of course, was, for those not familiar, a dystopian arc where alternative universe where a power-hungry madman destroys half the planet which is no longer fantasy and now on the verge of being fake. (laughs) So uh, I only had a few issues left and I was going to be damned if I wasn't going to finish my collection that weekend because it wasn't going to come to me again. And so I had to get Gambit and the Externals number three. And I'd searched high and low and I had one last place to look and that was the Fifth Avenue Mall Boscos. And after I'd finished my Arby's Beef and Cheddar and my very large Mr. Pib, (laughs) I went right for the comic book store in the mall. Straight to the box with the letter G. G.I. Joe? No. Uh, Gambit? Or no, no, no. Wasn't there Green Lantern? No, no. I could not find it. And my anxiety of completion had overwhelmed my senses, and I was on a mission. Pib was cursing through my nervous system. Where was it? Where? I was flush with panic. Suddenly, without warning, a flood of warmth came over my right leg. And I looked down in shock, because this couldn't be what I thought it was. I was 11. I'm almost an adult. I've never wet the bed. I don't pee myself. That's what other people do. That's for kids named Rupert. But sure enough, there was a large dark pool forming on the floor of the comic book shop. Oh, no, is what I said. And then the two comic book store employees peered from around their books and said, Oh, no, dude. And I said, Look, this doesn't happen to me. I'm not that kid. That's, uh, I don't pee my pants, I said as my pants were soaked with urine. 
And I just got so distracted in my search for this that I neglected my other bodily functions. And I quickly ran to the bathroom and soaked my pants with more water because wetter pants are not wet pants, right? It's just dark jeans. It's, it's a distraction, right? And then eventually that didn't work. And you reach a point with your piss-soaked jeans where you just can't put the genie back in the bottle. And I had to accept things the way they were. I had pee pants. And I didn't have enough money to buy a new pair of pants and a comic book. And you would think that such a moment of embarrassment would have caused me to run and hide. Uh, but no, I had a task. And I strode back in, sheepish but defiant, and the employees had laid down a few towels. And I said in a very laid back, like, can you believe this shit, Tone? About myself? And I'm like, oh man, who would have seen that coming? Peeing my pants. That, not me. That's crazy. Anyways, do you guys have Gambit in the externals number three? And it turns out they did. It was in the X section, which is bullshit, because that's not the title of the comic book. It begins with the letter G. We exchanged pleasantries, and I left the store with my pants wet, but a prize in hand. And that night, I rode in the way back of my parents' station wagon in the reverse-facing seat to keep away from my brother and sister. And I got to read that comic book under the little dome light that's in the back reverse facing seat. It was perfect. And I'd gotten exactly what I wanted, but at what price? <laughs> this was a complete embarrassment, but it would quietly stay with me. And I kept it to myself. It was nervous. This was my one true shame. And I needed to get myself under control. I mean, my obsession had made me pee my pants in public. What if this happened in front of other 11-year-olds who would be much less forgiving than comic book store employees? You don't go through middle school with the kind of reputation as a kid that pees his pants. And so for a long time, I kept this quiet shame. And this had never happened again in my life. This was the one instance. And then when I got older and I started talking with other people my age and I heard their very similar stories, you just grow up and you learn to laugh about it because you start to date women who shit their pants. <laughs> and, you know, uh, people who just puke themselves to sleep and just like sleep with their head on a toilet. And, you know... After you turn 21, these stories, they get much worse than comic book store pee. And you, you just, you, you live without that dignity for a moment, but then uh, you, you regain it because you assume that you're the stupidest person that ever lived. And then when I look back, that's not what I see. I see that even in that moment of shame at 11 years old, I wasn't going to let a lack of kegel strength stop me from completing my task. In the right scenario, we are all the pee pants kids. Uh, it sucks. It happens. And um, recently I've learned it's actually quite presidential. <laughs> But if any of you right now are feeling like you're possibly in a meltdown, yeah! you got to say the title in point. <laughs> if you're at a complete and total loss and you just feel like you're in a state of shock of what you assumed you knew about yourself and the world around you is not exactly what you thought it was, uh, maybe this story will inspire you to dry yourself off and stride back in with complete pride mixed with shame and embarrassment undeterred. Or as Winston Churchill said, success is not final, failure is not fatal, and you know, just wrap a towel around your waist so the other kids don't make fun of you. <laughs> it's the courage to continue that counts. Thank you, Charlie Madsen. Uh, Charlie was there when this tradition was born. If you say the theme of the night in your story, you must point to the sky. That is so important. Uh, I bet, 
I bet that Meltdown has a copy of Gambit and the Externals number three. Someone please go buy that and get Charlie to sign it. That would make me, I'll do it. That would make me very happy. Coming up next to the stage, we have an uh, LA stand-up, another uh, ex-Chicago native who came here. We have a lot of Chicago people in the house. Maybe that's why there's so much warmth. I don't know. I love LA, though. LA is super great. Again, thank you for welcoming us. Anyway... <laughs> Please, this uh, this woman is super super funny. Please follow her on Twitter at Kristen Cliff. This is Kristen Clifford. Oh hi, uh, thank you. Uh, I just decided to write a huge list of all of the creepiest things that I've ever done uh, for this show. Uh, they're not in any particular order. So if you're like, hey, number seventeen was way less creepy than number one, don't worry about it. Um, I just wrote them as I remembered them. Uh, and I might remember some while I'm talking. Cool. <sighs> you guys on board? Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Uh, number one, in second grade, in nose blood, I wrote die on the bathroom wall. <laughs> the class bully, Candace Wilczewski, was later like, who wrote dit on the bathroom wall? And I was like, actually, it's die. And then I ordered several Pizza Hut pizzas to be delivered to her home. Because <laughs> it was in the era when you could do that. Um, I once invited Elijah Wood to a school dance. He's a movie star, if you're not familiar. Uh, and if you're like, oh, how old were you? That's so cute. Too old. <laughs> Far too old to be doing that. Uh, and I wrote him a letter, like it was the second letter I'd ever written him. The first one, I was just saying, I love your work. Uh, you know, I was very mature, and he sent me a picture that said, keep smiling. And my sister was like, did you get that at the dentist? Um, <laughs> I was like, no, Elijah would send it to me. Uh, so I wrote him this letter, and like I never heard back. Obviously, I'm probably in an FBI file. Uh, <laughs> They don't, they don't even show those to the stars. They're like, ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, whenever my mom would leave me alone in a car with my brother, I would tell him that she wasn't coming back. Um, and it was his fault. Uh, I used to have cyber sex on web TV. Uh, if, <laughs> if you don't know what web TV is, it's like the internet, but on your TV. <laughs> and you just have a wireless keyboard. It's kind of for old people. Uh, the first time I had regular sex, I asked my boyfriend if he wanted to play just the tip. Uh, it's creepy. You can't, you, they get real. I'm sorry. Uh, he, he said yes, and we dated for a year. I don't know how that happened for me. Um, I wrote my own role on Full House, uh, the show, the popular show, and I wrote to them about it because I was like, hey, here's what you guys need. Um, a nine-year-old girl named Heather, listen, she's your cousin. Uh <laughs> Her parents are dead, and she's going to make the full house fuller. And I was like, this is going to work. I did the same thing when Andy Richter left Conan. I was like, hey, what's up, Conan? Uh, I'm 12, and I also have red hair, so we got that going for us. Uh, ready to buy a forest green pantsuit, and I want to be on your show. Did I, I didn't hear back from either of them. Uh, I did give up full house for Lent at one point. Uh because I was like, Jesus really wants me to sacrifice. What do I love the most? <laughs> and it was new episodes of Full House. Uh, <laughs> uh, I told, oh, these are like, I didn't mean to be for all the Full House ones to be in order, but they are. Uh, 
Uh, I told everyone that my cousin was Jody Sweden. Uh, she's not, otherwise that other scheme to get on the show probably would have worked. Uh, but then my actual cousin was over, my best friend came over, and I made my cousin dress up in like a bathing suit and a kimono and then some sunglasses and I crimped her hair, and I'm like, it's Jody Sweden, ask her whatever you want about Full House. It was fun. Uh, <laughs> I fainted during someone's wedding, which isn't really creepy, but I just still feel really bad about it. Um, it was during this ceremony. Whoops, it's on tape, it's cool. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to get Ben Savage to tweet me back for four, maybe five, maybe six years, and... <laughs> and like, I did a search of it in my timeline, and it's like a lot of times. Uh, <laughs> that more times than I thought that I had reached out to Ben Savage to be like, hey, what's up? It's my birthday. I would love it if you tweeted me back. Um, <laughs> like other gambits to try and get him to do it. He didn't. Um, if you know him. Uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> I, I did buy all the seasons of Boy Meets World on DVD and watch them with the commentary on. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's weird. It's like, I wanted to know what they were thinking, you know? When they were filming the scene, I wanted to know their memories. Uh, and in, in college, AOL Instant Messenger was big, right? When I went to college, I'm very old. Uh, we didn't have Gchat. And uh, I used to pose as other members of the basketball team and instant message other members of the basketball team. <laughs> and then they were very confused. Um, <laughs> They'd be like, why are you on a different name? And I'd be like, I'm at my parents' house. Um, <laughs> um, that's probably not very nice. Uh, I, for some reason, like a lot of times when I'm by myself, uh, I'll just, you know, like you say stuff to yourself all the time. My phrase that I say to myself all the time is always my boyfriend's name is Steven. Uh, I've never dated anyone named Steven. I don't know why I do that. Is that too much for you guys? Uh, <laughs> Someone love me. Uh, I have, uh, I don't know what this says. Oh, I have long conversations with my cat, but like serious ones where I'm like, I understand why you feel the way that you feel. And uh, you have a right to be angry. Uh, when I started dating someone, I, I said I was having a fondue party so that they would come over to my house, but I wasn't planning a fondue party. And then I planned a fondue party immediately and emailed all my friends and was like, hey, you guys have to come and pretend like we've been talking about this for a while. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> and I dated that person. Um, I interview myself a lot in my car like I'm on a TV show. Someone said, mm, like they do it too. Do you, do you want to just call each other? That might... <laughs> that might be less sad. Uh... <laughs> Or more, I don't know. Um, but we can, we'll talk. We'll, we'll have pre-approved questions. Uh, I, I went to a Sugar Ray concert in high school. Uh, and Everlast was opening. Um, it was pretty cool. He got really upset because people threw ice at him. And then Sugar Ray came out and Mark McGrath was like, hey guys, be really nice to Everlast. He just had heart surgery. Um, <laughs> Um, if I just have a couple more, I mean, I have a lot more, but like a couple more that I'm going to tell you. Um, 
I used to, if, if I like you and we're Facebook friends, I'll look and see if you're friends with your mom, and then I'll look at the pictures that she posted of you. Because <laughs> they're usually like really revealing and cute um, about your personality. Um, I refer to the cast of Bones as my friends. Um, <laughs> Because I really love that show, and it's ending, I know. And uh, I've left parties by being like, these episodes of Bones aren't going to watch themselves, and then I leave the party. So uh, thank you guys so much. These episodes of Bones aren't going to watch themselves. Thank you, Kristen Clifford, everybody. Kristen Clifford. I'm going to do a little proselytizing on behalf of Kristen and, and say, because this is very important, every Friday she posts like five bits of wisdom on Facebook, and the fifth bit of wisdom is always the same, and it's always so important. Joey on Full House is not Uncle Joey. Thank you. He is Joey Gladstone. He is not their uncle. He is their father's friend. You're welcome. That also bothers the shit out of me. He's not Uncle Joey. I, I was interviewing someone for another podcast I did, and they called him Uncle Joey. And A, instantly I thought of Kristen first. And B, I cut that shit right out of the interview. <laughs> He's not their uncle. Coming up next to the stage, uh, this gentleman told me to introduce him as an old friend of the Nerdalogs with an incredible smile. This is Eric Roth. You weren't supposed to say that I told you to say that. <laughs> well, your smile is incredible, clearly. Thank you. Um, hi, everyone. This is uh, fr uh, an excerpt from uh, what I think will be uh, a longer piece that I'm working on. And now I'm working on adjusting the thing. <laughs> All right. Um, it's a rite of passage to get a bad job uh, when you first move to Los Angeles, uh, unless you went to Harvard or Yale, in which case all your friends are related to Tom Hanks. If you went to the University of Illinois like me, you're forced to do something like uh, scrub chimneys or file death certificates, or as I did, I taught babies gymnastics. <laughs> I taught babies gymnastics at a small gym in West Hollywood, and I was very, very good at it. I was so good at teaching babies gymnastics, two-year-olds would call me coach, which is adorable. <laughs> they would go, coach, I jump on trampoline. And I'd be like, you're right, Tallulah, you do jump on trampoline. I come from a family of gymnasts. My father was a gymnast. My brother was a gymnast. We owned a gymnastic school. Our coach was a Soviet Union world champion. At one point in my life, I was able to do a double backflip. Now I'm in therapy. It's, it's pretty common for gymnasts to have night terrors. Uh, at 3 a.m. every night, my father would go, ah! Like clockwork, it was, uh, it was an alarm for me. Uh, if I had friends sleeping over, I would hear, ah! and I'd be like, just pretend you're asleep. And uh, he would sort of stomp down the hallway, and he'd look into the bedroom with unstaring eyes, you know, maybe thinking he was being paternal, and then he would fart loudly on the toilet. <laughs> Until I was five, I thought every adult could walk on their hands while drunk at my birthday party. <laughs> so, so this life prepared me for babies' gymnastics, kinda. Um, once a toddler named Falcon, whose, um, 
whose mom had stepped about, you know, 15 feet away, you know, started freaking out. And he was going, Mommy, Mommy. And he started to cry a little bit. And I come on over, and I think I'm being helpful. And I get real close in his face, and I say, I ate your mommy. And it, it did not work. <laughs> Here's an incomplete list of famous people who I actually met whose kids I played with. Charlize Theron, Steve Martin, Billy Crystal, Halle Berry, Brecken Meyer, Hilary Duff, Drew Barrymore, I dropped her kid once, Noah Baumbach, Chris Pratt, Ty Diggs, Adina Menzel, David Wayne, Rod Stewart, he's a walking skeleton, Elizabeth Berkeley, Patton Oswald, Maya Rudolph, Dimitri Martin, Jason Schwartzman, I told him about a time I ate a ton of shellfish with my bare hands, Gwen Stefani, Blake Shelton, Vince Vaughn, Kelly Rollins, Sierra, Russell Wilson, Ziggy Marley, Benicio Del Toro, David Benhoff, D.B. Weiss, Amanda Pito, Isla Fisher, Josh Gad, Jennifer Jason Lee, Jack Black, Jason Jason Biggs, Jason Bateman. Uh, I once cornered The Rock's TV agent and made him read my pilot. <laughs> he never came to the gym again. Um, teaching babies gymnastics is, is a lot of skills wrapped up in one. You got a small talk with parents. You have to know how to not terrify kids, which I'm working on. Uh, you have to be able to stand infants on their heads without breaking their necks or flattening their jelly-like skulls. You have to convince parents that it's totally cool that you're rolling over their doughy babies while they're crying. You have to be good at lying. Oh, he's supposed to be crying like that. That means he likes it. He's going to be very talented at this. I can tell. <laughs> You have to look good in gym shorts. I must have looked so good in gym shorts because one time a kid straight up bit my dick. <laughs> Dads didn't like me. I mean, I get it, an adult man, as an adult man, you can be very vulnerable, and here's this handsome guy with a beautiful tenor voice whispering, I ate your mommy to your son. One time, a dad straight up wrestled me. I, <laughs> I wouldn't let his daughter do the zip line by herself. I had to spot her for liability reasons because that was our boss's policy, and it enraged this father so much, he straight up grabbed me and held my arms so his daughter could travel 15 feet on a zip line without my assistance. This dude wrestled me. He fucking wrestled me. There's like not another business where that would be a thing that you would like think to do to an employee that would, you would never be like, give me those french fries, jabroni. <laughs> I did the, uh, the birthday parties for these kids, and um, in the back room, we had this loft of uh, 20 rubber donkeys. Uh, each one was about the size of a pit bull. They were called roadies. They were all different colors, and they had this big smile and lobotomized stare, and, uh, and all their eyes and mouths were rubbed off from excessive use, so it was supposed to look like, and instead it looked like, and all, all, they all lived ass to face in this very unstable mass donkey grave above us. <laughs> More than once, I was covered in an avalanche of colorful rubber donkeys. When you have a bad job, uh, you start to normalize strange things. 
And when I say more than once, I was covered in an avalanche of colorful rubber donkeys. That is something I have a visceral memory of. The heavy bloated things tumbling onto my head. The rainbow cascade of rubber. The squeaking of roadie against roadie. The unstaring eyes smudged away with time. Anyways, the kids love these things. Uh, they they would sit on them and bounce and have fun. So uh, we brought them out of the back room and the, and the children would swarm, which makes it difficult to put these things down sometimes because you can't just crush a kid Catherine the Great style. Now, I had just started working at the gym and, and I'm walking to the back room, out of the back room with four pit bull-sized donkeys in my hand and I'm being swarmed by two-year-olds foaming out the mouth for these roadies and I get to the middle of the room and there's nowhere to put these things, I'm surrounded and I'm stuck. Uh, at these parties, there's an audience of 20 to 60 adults crammed into an unventilated space wishing they never had kids. And so I'm already feeling like an idiot holding these bright multicolored donkeys by the ears in my gym shorts and too tight t-shirts looking for a place to set them down. And right in front of me, this little one-year-old starts to tip over off of her roadie. Um, almost in slow motion, and I mean, this kid is tiny. She's like half the size of these roadies. They're twice her size, and she's gonna go down hard. And I can't help her because my hands are full, and I can't just throw the roadies down because that'll knock a bunch of kids over. <laughs> and at the last second, this adorable girl does what anyone falling might do. She reaches out, and she full on grabs my penis. <laughs> And I mean she grabs it, like Tarzan on a vine, like Quasimodo ringing the bells in Notre Dame. And it keeps her from falling, but it doesn't stabilize her. So <laughs> it doesn't get the roadies back on two feet. It just sort of, she just sort of ends up in a 45 degree angle, hanging there. <laughs> And now, here she is, halfway tipping over, stabilizing herself on my humiliation. And here I am, holding four multicolored rubber donkeys by their ears. And I can't yank away, because that would be illegal. Uh, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't like tug, the, the, kid, the kid would fall over <laughs> if I made any sudden movements. And there's a ton of parents watching, and I freeze, and I feel like it looked like a Greek statue. <laughs> like one of the weird ones, where you're like, why did they carve Hermes holding four donkeys with an adorable cherub tugging his wiener? <laughs> oh, that was Perviticus. Um, so I'm looking for a new job if anyone's got any leads. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Eric Roth, and his incredible smile. Oh, man. That was awesome. Um, I was going to introduce Rod Stewart next, but he, he kind of walked out during that set. So, damn, that's harsh, Eric. Uh, so, coming up next to the stage, we have a wonderful human being. He helped us out at our sketch show at UCB last night. He is the head writer of the animated show Mortal Coil Vinyl and the upcoming show, fingers crossed, LA Nights. Uh, he's going to play a song for us all. This is Mr. Eric Schinzer. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. I'm a head writer for a show. 
and I can't form words. Uh, you guys ever like, like, or go to Subway, and they're like not paying attention. Like they're just like, what else? Like you're like, I want lettuce, and they're like, what else? Tomato, what else? And you kind of finish onion, and they go, what else? Right before you get the word out. Uh, that's what this song is about. It's called complacency. There's a there's a lot of stuff. a lot of stuff. Is that good? That's great. Okay. This is called complacency. I'm standing in line ordering a burrito. He asks if I want beans, and I say no. He puts them on anyway, and I look down and say absolutely nothing. <laughs> Moving down the line, he asks if I'm fine, and I say sure. That's a lie. What kind of meat? I taste defeat when they say they're out of steak. I settle for chicken, but now I'm really wishing I could just kill him. God, fuck. It's okay, it's okay. God, fuck. It's okay, it's okay. My life is a mess. Fuck. It's okay, it's okay. God, fuck. It's okay, it's okay. This burrito is complete trash. <laughs> if you'll excuse me, I just need to turn the page. <laughs> he asks if I want corn, and through my scorn, I say yes. But it seems a little bit of sour cream has made it in. I fucking hate sour cream. And as I'm about to scream, he rolls it all up. And I'm not like gonna go back in line cause like that's gonna inconvenience like all the people like behind me and like, I don't wanna make it again. So like, I'll just pay for it. It's fine. It's totally fine. Fuck, fuck. It's okay, it's okay. Fuck, God. It's okay, it's okay. My life is a total mess. It's okay, it's okay, fuck, God. It's okay, it's okay, and I'm going to eat it anyway. I take the first bite and it's sloppy and it's gross. It's overwhelming, bloated, and it's moist. Condiments fall to the bottom, or the condiments fall through the bottom and land square on my bottoms, and everyone's laughing. God, fuck. It's okay, it's okay. God, fuck. It's okay, it's okay. I go back to my Kia Soul. It's okay, it's okay. God, fuck. It's okay, it's okay. I look into my soul. 
And then I drive the car through the wall. <laughs> oh, wait. I said I didn't want beans! I didn't want beans! I didn't order beans! What am I so cream? You fucking beans! Shinzer, everybody, incredible. That shit happens to me all the time with sour cream. It drives me crazy. Uh, I want to, as another guitar player, I want to compliment you on that fucking like drop tuning, like whatever you're doing. That was really impressive. That's like drop C sharp. Ooh, drop C sharp. That's like fucking disturbed style tuning. I love it. Uh, so Eric, uh, Eric played uh, Uncle Jesse in a musical we did based on Full House back in Chicago, and he reprised his role last night in a sketch we did called Fuel House, which was like if Full House met Mad Max, and uh, we, it was a very, a very proud moment for all of us in the Nerdalogs. Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy your stories, you might also like Open Ended, the vulnerability behind the glass with the side of sass. This radio show seeks the people behind the screens, through stories that intersect technology and culture. For more info on Open Ended, visit openended.fm. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.